You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 149. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 149. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself. Feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, Supermoms. How are you? I am great and a little wacky and a little wild with my house on the market. Things are strange, and I'm doing a lot of like living out of my backpack and traveling around. So I'm really grateful to have this uh, mobile job of hosting these podcasts where I can do it from a variety of places. So I'm super excited to have and share this interview with you today. This was super fun and fabulous, and I can't wait for you to hear it with my colleague, Corinne Crabtree. So this is a podcast called How Your Late Night Food Binge is Your Ticket to Happiness, okay? And even if you don't binge eat at night, this is for all those moms who feel guilty at how they spend their last hour or two before bed. A lot of us have this idealistic picture of how we would like to spend and kind of wind down at the end of our day. Maybe it involves cleaning up the kitchen and or soaking in a nice bubble bath and reading a book. And very often we do not spend the evening hours in this kind of journal writing, self-reflective, sort of beautiful, relaxing way. We often spend it in ways that it feels like it's counter to our true desires. So if you binge eat at night, or if you drink too much wine, or if you stay up late watching TV or playing Candy Crush or whatever, this is the key to your happiness. Because this is the time of day when we're really trying to rebalance ourselves. If you spend all day giving, giving, giving to everybody else, at the end of the day is usually when we're trying to rebalance that. We're trying to give to ourselves. We want to receive. And sometimes we have limited places to receive from. So we might receive it from TV or from wine or from food or from our cell phones. So it's the time of day that we're trying to nurture ourselves. So I want you to stop feeling guilty and start paying attention to what you really crave at that time of night. Is it rest, just physical rest, mental rest, emotional rest, spiritual rest? Is it joy, pleasure? Is it self-care and nurturing that you're yearning for? Or do you? is that the one time of day when that voice in your head that pressures you and saying, you should be doing more, you should be doing more, you're not doing enough. Is that the time of day when that voice finally quiets and you give yourself permission to not put pressure on yourself and that's why you want to prolong it and stay up to the wee hours of the morning? We want to stop the guilt because it serves no purpose and pay attention to the yearning. What is it you're craving? And then find ways to bring more into of this into your life 
on purpose. So don't eliminate your one source of joy by going on a diet. Instead, expand your joy and diversify the amount of ways that you get the rest, nurturing, and self-love that you crave. And so that's what Corinne and I are going to talk about. We're going to talk about her story of weight loss and how she started the No BS Weight Loss Program. She is the host of a podcast called uh, Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne. She has been uh, teaching other people how to lose weight for the last 15 years, but through the lens of self-love and treating yourself kindly, not the beating yourself up, the guilt, the shame for all, you know, not sticking to your diet plan or all the crap. She likes to really talk crap about the diet industry and, um, really helps women get rid of their old, yucky, horrible thoughts that they use to like shame themselves into losing weight and instead uses self-love to never quit on themselves again. So listen and enjoy it to this interview with Corinne. And if you want to um, go to her, check out her podcast, Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne, or her website, she has a free weight loss course called the No BS Free Course. Uh, dot com. So you can go check her out and enjoy this fabulous interview. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Corinne Crabtree. I'm so excited to have you here. Why don't you kind of introduce yourself a little bit, talk about your background and what you are, we're here to talk about today. My mom was 17 when she had me and she was broke. And my, like she heard my dad didn't work out. And so I grew up eating fast food, eating buffets, and either we had to eat more than we could stand or we weren't, we didn't have food. Like we just didn't, like there were just, I just remember so many times not having anything. So I kind of developed a terrible relationship with food just because it was like very much feast or famine. I was taught that overeating is safe. I also gained a lot of weight when I was nine years old. So I spent my entire life, well, I spent the first 30 something years of my life struggling with food, struggling with my weight, um, struggling with body image and all the things. And I eventually had a son and he was about a year old and uh, he wanted to play with me one day. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm laying on the couch was over 250 pounds. And I remember looking at him and saying, mommy's too tired to play. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because I think a lot of us do this. Like we go through our life with, here's the things I'll never say to my kid. And, you know, here's all the things I'm going to do differently with my kid. (laughs) Like, you know, you just, you're just rock solid that this is never I was a perfect parent before I became one. I was so good. Yes. I knew all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just like, she's so wrong. She did it all wrong. Here's how I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the best. Yeah. Well, here I am saying the exact words my mother said to me every night of my life. Like she would come home from jobs, like, and I mean jobs plural, because she had to work a lot of jobs. We didn't, we didn't have like time to play with mama. She just wanted to eat and go to bed. That's all she ever wanted to do. She'd work herself into exhaustion to be able to pay the bills. And then she just wanted to go to bed. So she'd always say, I'm too tired to play. Go play with your brother. So when I heard those words come out of my mouth, it was like, I felt like my world crashed down on me. It was 
it's funny because I knew that I was really overweight and I knew I didn't like my life at the moment and stuff, but it wasn't until that moment when it became crystal clear. It was like, oh, my wake up call has happened. Like the one thing I swore I would never be. And here we are. How did we get here? So uh, my husband came home that night. I had been crying all day. So I look like a hot freaking mess. <laughs> He's like, what is wrong with you? And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to figure this out. I can't keep laying around all day. I can't like keep all this weight on. Like I, I was so afraid I was going to ruin Logan's life. I was just sitting there going, I can't play with him. I'm going to teach him terrible eating habits. If I don't change, like all of it was coming up. So I started by making some small changes. I also had enough common sense to know that I had done so many drastic diets in the past and none of them had worked. So I was trying to figure out what is it like that keeps me in this failing diets cycle. And I was like, it's like, it would be easy to sit and say it's because you're lazy and something fundamentally is wrong with you. But what is like the practical problem? And for me, what I realized was I was always trying to do things that set me up to fail. Like I was going from eating McDonald's every day for lunch to trying to eat chicken and broccoli for lunch the next day. Can I just pause you right there? Because I think that's so interesting because it really is a switch in your mindset because you said, I was trying to like solve the practical problem. And when you said like, you know, I'm, I'm lazy and I'm, something's wrong with me. Like something had to happen for you to disbelieve those thoughts. And, or or I should say you had to switch to a different part of your brain in order to disbelieve because I'm lazy and there's something wrong with me. Just sounds, sounds super true and familiar and compelling to many, many people, right? They're like, oh, that's the problem. I'm lazy. Yeah, that's it. And there's something wrong with me, right? So in order to go from that to there's another is a practical issue. Like if sitting up for failure, like it sounds like a, like a, just a different part of your brain. Well, it is. And it was, so I didn't quit disbelieving the laziness and all this other stuff. Like, seriously, I don't even think, I think I'd lost about 50 pounds before I agreed that I might be onto something. <laughs> it took a while, but what I, what I was doing that I think was different is I was holding both sides of the truth at the Ah. same time. And I think that's important for people when it comes to weight loss. Like when you have spent your lifetime believing something's wrong with you, like there's no way in a moment that you're suddenly going to like, now I just believe all this new stuff. Right. Like I have no discipline or like, you know, I have no self-control. If that's a belief, you can find evidence to prove that it's true every day. So I just quit finding evidence for it. Uh, I think that's the thing that like for a lot of people to understand is that you don't have to believe. I tell my clients this all the time. Like if you think you're fat and lazy, it's probably just going to feel true. And it is true for you. And you have spent a lifetime proving it true. And yes, and, and this is what I tell people all the time. If it feels true, we're not arguing with it. Like if it feels true, we want to understand it. That's very different than arguing with it. It's like. We can make an argument that Corinne was like at 250 was overweight. And we can make an argument that there were days, there was plenty of days I was being lazy, but it didn't mean something was wrong with me. And it didn't mean that that was the only truth in the room. The other truth was also this. 
that I weighed 250 pounds and I wanted something different for myself. I didn't have to think I weigh 250 pounds and I can't have anything else. And then also on the lazy side, it was like, I could find truth in you're lazy because day after day, you're not getting up. You're not doing anything. You're not trying. The other truth is that I could learn how to take small steps that today could be a little bit different than yesterday. Like, and that's where I was in my mind. I was like, I knew I couldn't turn all of it off. And I knew that I couldn't reverse it all overnight, that I was probably going to have to hold those truths for a while. But I was also going to be willing, like, this is where I'm putting my focus though. I'm putting my focus on new truths, on new things. I'm going to work towards that. And what I found was that the grip on the truth of the old stuff started loosening. It started not feeling as true. Right. Just because you weren't paying attention to it and you were, it was just sort of in the background, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fat and lazy. Let's focus on this. Yes. I told myself thousands of times, old Corinne sits and thinks about how lazy she is. New Corinne sits and thinks about what are we going to do today? That's a little bit different than yesterday. Like old Corinne thought going for a walk is not good enough. New Corinne thinks what's really not good enough is sitting on the couch not walking because you think it's not good enough. That would be the definition. You know, like I just got really good at doing new Corinne, old Corinne, like comparing, contrasting them in ways where both felt true. Because I think what happens, like, especially when we start getting open to the idea we can think differently, we don't realize that that new thought has to feel true. Otherwise it won't stick. You won't want to use it. If it feels fake, the old one will win out every time, twice on Sunday. You can't just go from, I hate my body to, I love my body. <laughs> like it's just yeah, no. not it's after not. years and years of thinking one way. Yeah. Like I, like on, I hate my body. I think for a long time, I just told myself one day, I just don't want to hate it as much. <laughs> like that felt so much better than just, I hate it as if there's no option. Right. At least when I started there, I was like, that feels true too. There's a big part of me that one day doesn't want to. So if I want to not hate it one day, what do I need to be doing today to stop so much of the hatred? Yeah. So how, so how, when did it go from you helping yourself, learning how to manage your brain, learning to take these small steps and become the version of new Corinne to then you helping other people with their weight loss journey. Yeah. So it took me about 18 months to lose my weight. And then right after I lost it, I knew I wanted to help other people. I was tucking my shirt in one day and I always say like, if you were have ever been really overweight, you know, that glorious moment where you're just like, woo, <laughs> fixing to tuck this shirt in so everybody can see I have a waist now. <laughs> like, you know, so I didn't have one for a long time. And I was just a smiling and my husband came in and he looked at me and he said, why are you so happy? And I said, I feel amazing. Like, I genuinely like myself now. And I knew it wasn't because I was thin and it wasn't just because I had like tucked my shirt in. It was because for the first time ever in my life, I'd figured out how to be nice to me. Ah, I was like, I've created a life I actually love. Like I've lost weight doing stuff that I could do the rest of my life. Like it just was mind bending to me. And I said, not many women feel this way when they lose weight. I have been the version, I have been the woman who lost weight and still didn't like herself, was terrified she'd regain her weight and stuff. 
This time, instead of being scared, I would gain my weight back. Now, there was some fear because it's, I think it's natural to have a little fear. Like your brain always wants to go to the past, no matter how how right. hard we try to direct it away from it. It's just like, no, no, no. It's really important. Let's well, go back. In the past, I lost weight and gained it back. So yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. But this time I was equally as focused on how different my life was. Like I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm not actually doing things I wouldn't just keep doing. Like my brain was just like, this is like, I did this. So then I wanted to help people. And a, a few months later, so I got a personal trainer's certificate from the ACE, uh, whatever, and never went to a gym. I just knew that they would not hire me. I did not look like other trainers. I had loose skin for days. I was like, no way somebody would want to work with me. So I went online and just during the day, I'd hang out the Weight Watchers message boards because it was the, like we didn't have Facebook and stuff back then. You had to find a message board if you wanted to chat with somebody. And that's where everybody who wanted advice on losing weight hung out. And so I started giving advice. And it wasn't long after that, that um, I started like just an email business. I just, I started a blog and people signed up for my blog and then I started emailing them and saying, Hey, you know, you're, if you like my blogs, you might like working with me. Would you like to work together? And you're saying that you gave advice, but we know that advice is available everywhere and everywhere. You can get information everywhere. But what you gave them was kindness and compassion and practical, you know, like solving, you know, problem solving, but like helping them think the way you learned how to think and how to treat yourself. And I think that's what stuck with these. Oh, yeah. I started coming back for more is like, I need more of that rather than information that you can read in the book. Yeah. For weight loss, I, you know, I think the thing that's played out and tired in the diet industry is they just so overly focus on the tactics and they're not focusing on what is really our biggest obstacles. You know, for most of my women, they can follow a plan until they're tired at night, right? until their kid gets sick, until, you know, until like normal life happens. And then we say like, well, I can't because of life. It's like, (laughs) well, we got to figure out how we're going to do all this with life happening. No one's going to lose weight if you're waiting for perfect life. Like then, you you know, give up. It's like the best way to lose weight is to learn how to not lean on food as the only way to cope with your life. And you got to learn that. Which actually brings me to, yeah, what I wanted to kind of talk about today, which a lot of moms find themselves in this situation where they are self-sacrificing because kids are demanding and, and we got to take care of the kids. And, and it could be, you know, just from the time they're babies where you have to get up in the middle of the night multiple times. But sometimes that we kind of stay stuck in that self-sacrificing mode, even when longer than we actually need to, you know, where you really, you're just like, I can't do what I want because the kids need me and I have to be here. And so the self-sacrificing can last longer than is necessary. And so a lot of moms, what they find is that the best way to sort of reward themselves is through food because it's so convenient. They don't have to leave the house. They can sort of stay home and they end up falling into the late night binge Netflix and, you know, eating more than they want to, not going to bed when they want to, sort of falling into that estate that doesn't feel 
enjoyable and delicious and delightful. It's just sort of this numbing out, but using food to reward. So I wonder if you could kind of talk a little bit about that state of late at night, trying to reward yourself for all your hard work and how to help a mom who feels like she's stuck in that zone. Well, in in my program, I actually teach there are like six big reasons why we overeat at night. And some of these are the ones you touched on. Like one big reason that I think helps women kind of understand what's happening physiologically to them at night is, um, well, there's two things. Number one is some women actually don't eat enough during the day because they're doing all the busyness and they're doing the self-sacrificing. And when they get to the end of the day, their body's in a panic mode. Like their body is sitting there thinking like, okay, she just like overrides every signal of basic human need all day long. She's not drinking enough water. She shortened her sleep and she's not even eating regular meals or responding when she needs food because she's doing all this other stuff. Right. What do you expect your body to do at night? When you are at the end of the day, it knows, all right, you have nothing else to do. I should sound a tornado siren because it thinks that you're going to die. Like it's like, one of my coaches uses this example of, so it's almost like we all have a fire alarm in our head and you want a fire alarm in your head. You want to know when you're in danger. It's like no one wants to not have it. But the problem is, is that when you are in busy, if you're not getting your water and you're not getting your sleep and you're not feeding your body when it needs food, then at night it sounds the alarm as if you have a five alarm fire going on when the toast is really just burning. And so every night it's like, prepare, she's going to die tomorrow if we don't eat enough. So (laughs) sometimes an easy fix for this for women is literally, if that's you, if you're used to overriding your hunger all day long to do for your kids, pack snacks, figure out how you're going to eat a meal, set in a lot, like a lot of women, I just, I just blow right through lunch. It's like, then set an alarm. Like I, a lot of times I'll coach women all the time and they'll say, well, I mean, I could eat lunch. I just get so busy. It's right. like, okay, then we need an easy fix. Let's set an alarm. And when the alarm goes off, You have to override feeling guilty for eating. Like we have to learn how to not feel guilty for eating lunch. Well, and I would combine relaxation in with that too, right? Because it's one thing to eat snacks in the car while you're driving because you're hungry, but when you're actually starved for relaxation and then at night, those two things get combined where, oh, this is me time. This is my relaxation and my food. Then that, that what fires together, wires together, right? So it's like, if you're going to eat in the day, you also might want to, this is mom's lunch break. This is yeah, my like 30 it's the minutes. conversation around it that you've got to have. But it's usually that initially just saying it's mom's lunch break. I deserve this. Most women are going to be like, oh, God, no, like somebody's suffering. I'm over here being selfish, eating my lunch. Like you have to become the person who like hears all that and say, like, that's old me thinking. Old right. me thought that this was selfish. This is actually just me eating lunch so that tonight when my brain screams to eat, I can now say you've had plenty of food for the day. Like it's really hard to convince yourself to not eat at night when you legit know you didn't eat enough for the day. Right. It's like, it's the truth. You didn't eat enough. 
<laughs> you know, so, and I don't want to, I just never want to encourage women to be like, well, you know, it's too late if you're trying to lose weight and you just, you miss some meals, like then just don't eat, just deal with your hunger. I'm like, no, no, we want to address real problems. The best time to deal with hunger is when hunger hits, knowing you're actually hungry and then eating because of it. The other thing is if you if hunger hits and it's really not hunger, it's emotional, then we deal with hunger a different way by telling ourselves we have real needs right now. If it's not food, what is it? Right, and let's I give ourselves that. I think that's what why I really wanted you on the show to talk about you know, food, because I think what, when we uh, buffer, we avoid our negative emotions with food, right? And I I think we miss out on the, the beauty of the negative emotions. Like it's trying to tell you something like, maybe you're working too hard. Maybe you do deserve a break. Maybe you need more time away. Maybe you need more girlfriend time, more nature time, more solitude, that like your negative emotions are there to steer your life and help you make it better. And so if you're ignoring the negative emotions or covering them up by eating or tell, and shaming yourself around it, right? Then you're missing out on the like, where am I out of balance? And what does my soul, my heart need in order to feel fully alive during the day? One of the other big things I think that kind of goes with all this is a lot of women are eating at night from guilt. Like they, they give all day long and they do things. So there's two pieces that happen here. The second everything gets quiet, they, number one, have an adrenaline drop from the day. So for everyone, this is very natural. This can happen at the end of your day before what we call second shift starts at home. There's usually about a 30 to 90 minute window between when we get home and then we have to start the dinner and the homework and the bath and the laundry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our second shift begins. And then when that one's over, for a lot, like your body has been pumping adrenaline and cortisol all day long to get you going. That's natural. Like your body actually is supposed to pump those things out to keep you going, to keep you going, to keep you going. The problem with those hormones is as they build all day long, like a roller coaster, when it's over, they drop dramatically. They don't just slowly decompress. They bottom out and you usually feel terrible. Like it's all of a sudden, it's like, it's just like when like when I have a big work day like this, the second this podcast is over, you're my last one of the day. I've done uh, several already. I'll leave here and for about 10 minutes, I'll be kind of jittery and still amped up. All of a sudden, it's like I'll start yawning. I'm just like, oh, I'm tired. I just need to sit down. It's like I realize how tired I am. So for a lot of women, they that happens. And when it happens, like before second shift starts, they eat because they're like, oh, my God, something bad's happening. And I still got homework and dinner and all these other things. So they eat to get that energy back. Right, right. Rather than just resting and let it, because this is the key to the adrenaline drop is give yourself like 20, 30 minutes of just sitting and you kind of get back to where baseline is. But most of us panic when it happens and we eat thinking I won't be able to keep going. 
The yeah. other thing that happens is if you move through that window. So let's say we we do dinner and now we're going to end the night. A lot of women are eating because they feel really guilty. They sit there and the moment they have time for themselves because they're so used to giving to everybody else, it's almost like we think it's wrong to now care for us. So they think about their day and where they didn't measure up. They right. That's what I was say is like they feel guilty because they didn't get everything done that they wanted to get done. There's still dishes in the sink. Yeah. And they feel guilty that they're glad their kids aren't screaming and around them. Like, I can't tell you how many times at night when Logan was really little before I started my weight loss journey, where Chris would come home. And I mean, my son was high needs. He ended up being diagnosed with um, autism at five. And it was like, no wonder that he was just like, if he ever heard a siren, I could bank on two hours of just wild crying. He just couldn't get it. His little nervous system would just go crazy. He just had such good hearing and stuff. Yeah. And so Chris would come home. And he'd go upstairs and I would have like this moment of relief that it's all over. And then I would feel terrible that my husband was having to pick up. I'd feel terrible that um, I didn't want to spend more time with my child than I did. I'd feel terrible that I felt so good to be away from him and I'd have all this guilt. And so I would go and I would just eat ice cream out of a half gallon carton until it was either gone or I was just sick to myself. So I wasn't sitting there thinking about all of that. Like, I love what you said earlier about our negative emotion. It's there to tell us something. The problem with some of our negative emotions is that in order to get them, our brain has to act like a turd to get them. And so we think that there's a big problem. And it's like, I like we're talking down to ourselves and we're doing things, but really, what is it truly trying to tell us? Like for me, my guilt was trying to tell me like I needed to redefine what motherhood was for me. I had to quit comparing to other women. I needed more self-love and compassion. It was okay to not enjoy my child all day, every day, because I would just crash at night. And I think sometimes it's the negative emotions, right? But sometimes that end of the day is the only positive emotions, Yes, that you're allowing yourself, right? Or that, that seems to be convenient for you. I heard you talking about urges and how sometimes it's like this fire alarm, but then you said sometimes it's like very white, like whispering in your ear, like, ooh, baby, you know, right. delicious right now or whatever. I thought, yes. oh, I think I've got more of a very white than a fire alarm. So talk, can you talk more about the how the urges and how it sounds and how it can sound different for different people. Yeah. So like sometimes your urges will be like, you deserve it. You've had a long day, you know, life's so tough, you know, it's you, like you know. so loving and it so is. like nurturing. And, and it's not that it's not loving, it's convincing, <laughs> you know, you I mean, it's just, you know, it's like, wow. You're right. I deserve more. And in those moments, this is what I always like to frozen for yourself. You may deserve asking for help from others. Like there are things we do deserve. We need to make a list of what we really deserve, because I promise all of you, you do not deserve a sleeve of Oreos at night because you uh, took care of your kids, because you were an amazing mom, because you slayed at work. 
I always tell my clients need that like positive self-talk that's like you are worthy and deserving and you worked hard today. You did brilliant. Like, like that's all good. We just need the words, right? And it doesn't. And so, and maybe we need a massage or we need a warm bath or some other sensory pleasures and delight, right? We don't want to rob you of sensory pleasures and delight and joy. We just want to diversify so you get it from more than one place. Well, that's such a key point because one of the things that I I teach is that it makes sense why it's so hard for us to actually lose weight when, especially because most of my women will say, I do good all day. It's nighttime. Night, like I swear to God, if I can solve women's problems between 5 and 10 p.m., I will be the world's leader in weight loss. <laughs> that's usually, it's then and weekends. Like those are like, we all do good during lunch and dinner or uh, breakfast and dinner, it seems. <laughs> like I just rarely have anybody say, you're going to have to help me. I have a real breakfast problem. <laughs> so like, I think the thing is we don't realize that when you do a traditional diet and they're not teaching you how to think through your truest needs, you are taking away very often the only comfort you get, the only pleasure. Like if you are not used to doing anything for yourself and you do not talk nice to yourself, and it doesn't even mean, like a lot of my clients, they die by a thousand cuts. They're not like overt self-loathers. Like I've got some that is just like, oh, if we read their stuff, we're like, oh my God, no wonder you feel so terrible. It's obvious. A lot of people, it's a lot of like, you should have done a little bit better. Like, well, I'm, I'm glad you got that done, but we need to be focused on this. Like a lot of times we're dying by those thousands of cuts where we're never really giving ourselves appreciation. We're never really comforting ourselves. You shouldn't cry. You don't have time to feel bad. You got to keep going. Like we do that self stuff to us, ourselves. And then we wonder why when we take away all the food that we've been using to fill in the holes, why we're so miserable. So I think it's really important in weight loss that when we take away your emotional eating, we have to know what emotions you were trying to create or cover up so that we can insert the emotional life you need. And like, sometimes that's activities. Sometimes that's thinking changes, but we have to figure out what that is because otherwise you are just forcing yourself. Like I've got to lose this weight. And when people say it's hard and miserable, it's not because of what they're doing, unless you're doing something really drastic and radical. If you're just doing my stuff, there is nothing I teach that's hard and radical. We're going to eat when we're hungry. Like nobody's going hungry on my plan. I'm, I tell them all that they Taking are. Like, lunch I'm break. so afraid of being hungry. I literally said this on my call Sunday. It's like, why? I have taught y'all in thousands of videos at this point where I say, what do you do when you get hungry? Eat. So what are you afraid of? <laughs> like we're eating. But in their past, they've had to do things where they had to be a little hungry and they had to have that voice. They had nothing to replace it with. They had no self-love. They had no compassion. They had no other activities. Sometimes we think we're hungry when we're really just bored. Right. Right. You know, and creating it's like, social connection or something else. And so when you mask it with food, you don't know. I wonder if that's, because I do have a lot of clients who will say like, oh yeah, I've been losing weight lately, like just from doing parenting coaching. 
and, you know, having a coach for yourself to teach you how to be kind and loving and supportive. Because as moms, there's a culture of you're not doing enough. You're not good enough. If your house isn't perfectly clean, if your kids aren't happy every day and every moment of every day, then somehow you're failing. So when we work on that and you start feeling like you're not a failure every day and that you feel appreciated and valued, then guess what? The weight just sort of is, it doesn't take a, such a prominent role. The emotional eater, they're the eating for that positive emotion. I think. Yeah. It's like, um, the way that I teach it is like a lot of, a lot of urges are laced in like, it's like the urge is coming up as it's only mechanism to take care of you. Like, I only know one way to take care of you. Like you tend to just override every other way. Like you are not nice to yourself. You don't take time for yourself. So let's just eat because I don't know how else to do it. When you solve a lot of the root cause problems, like if you redefine your like worthiness as a mother and stuff, but you've been eating over that, the moment you get the worth, your brain doesn't have to ask for food anymore. I think that's why you're having like what we call the unintended weight loss. It's like, (laughs) well, I'm not eating Oreos every night because I'm depressed or sad or anxious or worried because I've been working with Tori and I've like figured it all out. (laughs) I appreciate it. I took, my favorite thing is to go to a hotel room by myself. Like that's my favorite reward, you know? And so once you're there and you're like, oh my God, I can watch what I want on TV and everything's clean. You don't need to eat Oreos because you're already feeling all the good feelings. Yes. Can we talk, before I let you go, I want to talk about buffering. So what is it? How does somebody know they're doing it? And how, if once you identify the buffering, how do you break free? Yeah. So buffering is just really like in the text of weight loss, it's just overeating in order to create or escape an emotion. It's like, the easiest way that I can explain it for food purposes is anytime you're eating when you're not physically hungry, you're buffering. Okay. Otherwise so- you wouldn't eat. Like cavemen back in the day didn't just go roam and extra eat. They're like, well, we ain't got nothing to do today. Let's go eat some berries. They so always could, had, go ahead. This could be like unconscious eating. Like you look down and you're like, oh my gosh, look at that. The whole tub of ice cream is gone. Yeah. Like or sometimes you could be- know when it's happening. Like you could be just like, doing it. And like, you're just, it's so habitual that the moment you're bored or the moment you're anxious or whatever, that you just go get food. Like usually if you've been using and coping with food for a long time, it takes a real conscious awareness. Like you have to start really paying attention. Like when do, like the first thing I have my clients do is kind of track like what they're doing. Like we're going to make a plan every day. And then we're going to compare and contrast. Like, why weren't you on plan today? What feelings, like what patterns are you noticing? Is it like, is it always in the afternoons when it all falls apart? Is it around a certain emotion? That's the only time it falls apart. And when you do that, then it's a lot easier to get aware of what's happening. Like one of the ways to like kind of break it is to make sure that you really are tracking what you're doing. And the only way you'll ever track what you're doing is you cannot beat yourself up for what you find. I tell people all the time, when you first start doing this, we're on the hunt to find the patterns so that we can get and work on specific things. And then when we work on these specific things, they add up to weight loss that lasts. In the beginning, you are going to notice a lot of crap. You're going to notice like, oh my gosh, I talk like this to myself. Oh my gosh, 
Like I, I didn't even realize I'm cleaning my kids' plates every night. Who does that? Like we start like, oh my God, I must have some kind of weird eating something. You know, it's like, no, there's nothing wrong going on. Like, I don't care. I, I coach binge eaters all the time. And I tell them there's, there's nothing wrong with you because you do it. There's a reason behind why you do it. And the reason is never that you're broken. It You learned it. It was a coping mechanism that did work. I really believe this with overeating. Like when people tell me, well, I know food is just fuel. It's like, no, food is not just fuel. Like Thanksgiving is not about fueling. <laughs> right. It's a Every celebration. Like, on TV is not about fuel. <laughs> no, it's like food serves so many different roles in our lives. There are times that we celebrate with food. Like, and I think that we have to do a better job in the weight loss industry and making sure that we don't say food is just fuel for your body. That's one component. But when you say that, you also are saying to every single person who has religious holidays that they're doing something wrong. You're saying to every single person who wants to eat their mama's chest pie, you're doing something wrong. Like sometimes food for us is connection. Sometimes it is entertainment, like in a movie. What we want to do is we want to be just intentional. There are just times we do want to eat for emotion. I just want to, this is where buffering is different. Buffering is I'm eating for emotion because I refuse to feel it or I don't have any other way to create it. Intentionality and like eating, you could be eating the same thing. It could be your mama's chest pie saying, I love this and I'm going like, I'm going to plan for it. And I don't feel guilty when I do it because this is chosen and it's special for this reason. My mama may not be here one day. I never want to think that I, you know, I wish I hadn't dieted so much while she was alive. Like a piece of pie that you eat because you love your mother and you decided ahead of time it was worth it is not your weight problem. Your weight problem is a piece of pie because you had a bad day or a piece of pie is because you don't want to tell your mother no and you don't know how any other way to make her happy. Like you could still, if you want to eat the pie or not is irrelevant. It's always the reasons. Like you could go and say, I love you. I was just on another podcast about kids. And I was saying, we can say no to food and say, I love the gesture. It means so much you're thinking about me. Like wrap me up a piece of go to go because I don't want to eat it when I'm not hungry because I won't enjoy it. But I will enjoy the heck out of it. Eat it later and I'll even text you about it. <laughs> like there's ways to do this. There is. But unless we're thinking about it, we just don't even know. Right. We're just on autopilot and we're just trying to avoid negative emotions, positive emotions, whatever. Avoiding listening to our our kind of our hearts and like what do we need? What do we yearn for? What's missing? Where are we out of balance? And so the buffering is the way is what we do with food when we're just trying to avoid all that. So the remedy conscious awareness without judgment, with kindness, compassion, or at least a neutral sort of scientific approach. Like, okay, we're just going to go on a, you know, research excavation site here and just see what we have to see and see what's there. Awesome. So I teach something in my membership called the four ends, where the number one end is like first is the conscious awareness. It's the noticing. We have to notice our patterns. We have to notice our feelings and we have to notice those thoughts that are happening. No one can change unless they are willing to notice those things. The only way you'll ever be willing to notice is if you use the second end, which is called normalizing. And that's where we look at our patterns and we look at our feelings and we look at our thoughts 
and we put kind, compassionate reasoning behind it. We like, where did this start? Where did I learn this? What might this, like, why is it normal that I would even think this? When we do that, we remove that judgy part of us. The judgy part will have us quit listening to ourselves and quit watching ourselves. When we're normalizing everything, you get a sense of relief that nothing's wrong with you. There's always reason and purpose here. The third one is that neutralizing it you just talked about. It's like, all right, I know it's normal. I know this is what's happening, but what is the just basics of this? At the end of the day, this is all that's happening. This is where we just get factual. We don't put in a lot of emotion and heat behind it. It's like, all right, my mama offered me chest pie. Like that's all that really happened. And then the last one is where from a clean slate, it's a lot easier for us to consider. So what would our next best thought or action even be here? So like once I've normalized why my brain's acting this way and why I'm feeling this way and stuff, and I know just the boring, like these are just the facts. Now I can kind of decide well, what do I want to think? Or just what do I want to do in this moment with all of it, knowing what I know now? And I will tell you, for all of your listeners, doing that works with your kids, with everything in your life, but it's one of the core components that we teach inside my program because nothing's going to change unless you decide to start really noticing and being understanding. We have to be understanding of what's going on in order to change what's going on. It's to be the first step. Yep, you can't change what you can't acknowledge and be aware of. So really, really good stuff. I want you to kind of talk about where people can find you, tell them about your membership program and what you offer. Yeah, so it's the No BS Weight Loss Program. Um, if you go to nobsfreecourse.com, I have what I have my beginner steps. Like this is just how you can just get started with it without it being overwhelming, without it being hard and all of like you're, nobody's gonna have to do a last supper. You ain't got to clean everything out of your house and you ain't got to run to the grocery store. You literally could watch the videos and start in three minutes. <laughs> They're that simple. And so that's where I would tell people to go. And you could check out my podcast at Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne. Right. Losing 100 pounds with Corinne. This is Corinne Crabtree with the No BS. And you're doing business coaching now too. I saw that. I do that. Yeah. We have a business membership now at nobsbusinesswomen.com. Uh, where basically, I mean, I've grown a very successful business. We are well into the eight figures now. And I just wanted to help other people learn how to start, grow, and scale a business, especially if you're going to be a coach and online. Everyone was asking you anyways, Corinne. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody was asking you anyways. You might as well formalize it and make it a this is, this is true. We have about 300 of us now. We're just in there rocking and rolling. We just finished doing, um, analyzing our funnels. We spent we, we have a lot of workshops on um, like how to set up your funnel and email systems and all this other stuff. And then we've been diving into uh, actually looking through individual funnels of our members and helping them tweak them and optimize them and teaching them all like, here's how you can go in like a marketing expert to make those same changes. So it's fun. I It's just nice having, like my day is so diverse. It's like, there's part of my day, like this morning I was, creating some weight loss content. And then I had to switch gears and go and answer questions about how do you do an event for the first time person? <laughs> <laughs> so I get to use a lot of different parts of my brain, which is fun. 
I, yeah, that is super fun. And it's so great to catch up with you and see what you're up to. And so thank you so much for being on the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. We appreciate having you. Thank you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.